welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Each and every week, I talk to them about how they've built their careers, where they are now, where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. Let's get on with the show. In this week's show, delighted to be joined by Kai Bramer, the Director of Treasury at Autodoc. Autodoc was founded in 2008 in Berlin and now are one of the leading online retailers of vehicle parts and accessories within Europe. They're a growing profitable tech company, active in 27 countries, highly diverse team. But I'm going to get back into the beginning of Kai's career. And as always, I want to shut up and let Kai take over the show. Kai, if you would, take us back to the beginning. How did you first discover finance and then treasury? Over to you. Hi, Mike. First of all, thank you for having me on the show. It's a great honor. Well, how did I get into finance? After school, I did an apprenticeship with a local bank in Dusseldorf. I wanted to do something with money and with people, and I thought banking seemed to be the perfect fit at the time. After the apprenticeship, I started studying in Germany and Hong Kong and moved into the corporate customers department and later to structured finance where I get to know how to do syndicated loans, short China or acquisition finance, things like that. And that was a time where I learned a lot about structured credit processes, documentation, or how to bring a credit decision through a, a committee, something which helped a lot later in my career. But in 2010, I thought it was time to, to switch to the corporate side. And I joined international retailer Aldi South Group and had the chance to see almost every aspect of treasury, be it FX management, investments, but also funding treasury governance. And it was a great time because I had the chance to help to build the treasury function more or less from scratch into a state-of-the-art treasury team. And Kai, you, you said before you joined, well, you joined Audi, but the great thing was with your time in banking, when we had our pre-call, if you like, you talked about how that prepared you for the other side of the table, knowing what the corporates actually wanted. What was that like for you? Did, did you find, would you suggest that to other younger treasury professionals, maybe get some time on the other side of the table? Or do you, do you think it was, you know, did, you, did it really help, would you say? Absolutely. To be honest, I would urge everybody who has a possibility to see the different sides of the table to, to see them, because it's a different story if you know how to bring a credit decision through a committee or if you just heard of it. It's like fair dodging. If you've never done it, you don't know how it feels. And as well, on the banking side, you dig much deeper into credit documentation. And that is clearly something you would need to know when you're the corporate treasurer, because if you don't know about the bits and pieces of, for example, an LMA documentation, you always don't get the whole picture. And there is always the danger that your banking partner is not giving you the best product at that given time. So yeah, absolutely. You should be able to to speak different languages in the corporate world, be it the, the corporate language, the banking language, but also consultants or lawyers. So I remember you also saying that when you joined Audi, you know, I'd expected Audi to have a firmly well-established, long-established treasury team, but you were in some ways part of a startup, although it's a very well-established company. That was quite exciting times for you to sort of get in there and be part of that crumbs. Where is setting up policies, getting really involved in the grassroots? What, what was that like for you? Was it quite unusual, would you say, quite early on in your career? Well, to be honest, I was lucky to have that situation at an early stage of my career. 
the decentralized departments were quite organized, but there was no central treasury. So no department or no head of treasury that had a look, a holistic look on the situation for Aldi South Group as a whole. And that was clearly something we had to build up because when you have a lot of funding in different parts of the world, but also cash investments or FX management, that is absolutely something that needs to be centrally managed. And we were in the lucky situation that we had the mandate to build up that treasury function. And like you said, we did everything, FX management investments, but also treasury governance. I think still today, there are some policies and processes live within Aldi that I've written down. And that is something that yeah I feel proud about. And when you say that you brought in these new systems as well, because you're bringing the sort of treasury rigor, you were looking at bringing that technology. What was it, early stages career, operational, getting it done and getting it stuck in? What was it like for you? Were you, you know, wanting visibility on risk or where's the cash or what were the key things standing out to you as a treasury professional at that stage in your career? I think the first system we really implemented with Alisaus was 360T, multi-bank trading platform for FX. Because we saw at that time that we needed to increase competition among our banking partners. When you have that volume of yearly FX that Aldi had at that time, it's clearly not the best idea to go with just one bank. So our idea was to have the possibility to see the offerings from our different banking partners in one place and have it all in an audit-proofed manner. So, for example, if you do the dealing with 360T, you have the deal blotter, you have reports, you, you see everything you did in the last quarter, and you can clearly show the benefit that you brought to the company by increasing competition. That was something that was really important for us at that point of time because of the senior management, nobody was exposed to treasury before, and we needed to clearly prove the benefits that uh, comes when you centralize treasury. You'd spent quite a while with Audi, but then it was time for the move on and you made a couple very interesting moves, really broaden your experience. So then talk about the next move from Audi, if you would. Yes, sure. When I stopped working for Aldi, I moved on to Pharma WestAB, the German Landesbank, and I worked for EAA which was the wind-down institution for Best Abbey. And my role was to take care of some of the portfolios. It was a structured tax portfolio. It was a life insurance portfolio, but also film financing portfolios. And that was, again, a totally different story than the corporate treasury work before, focusing more on portfolio risk management, but also documentation again. So I got to know some other aspects of, of the credit world. And again, that helped me a lot because, like I said before, it's very important that you know how to speak different languages. And being with EAA was certainly a very important part of that because I got into credit documentation in even more detail, but also on how to deal with the sale of a whole portfolio. It's interesting you talk about this talking different languages. We're not talking formal languages per se, you know, like English, French, German, or whatever it might be. You're actually talking about the people that you're working with and what they want to get out of things with that role, if you like. You know, what, what was the key challenge for everyone? Were they just wanting to get their hands on cash and runoff or what was the situation? Yeah, well, it's twofold. On the one hand, you're lucky if you can, can wind down earlier, but on the other hand, you don't want to sell under price. 
So it's always a discussion whether to stay with that portfolio and manage it with um, a clear risk focus or find someone that buys portfolio at a larger discount. That is a completely new idea that you don't think like that in corporate treasury. And that is something that, that asks for a certain degree of flexibility about your own thinking. And that was something I learned at that time. And then you joined, uh, well, then you moved on from there. Talk us through the next couple of moves because each of these has sort of broadened your experience with different languages. You know, you were different ways of, you know, different angle on well, clients and they turned angle on people. So you then moved into consultancy. What was that like? Yeah, that was true. I joined Ernst & Young at that time, joined their team for financial risk management. And we were, we were providing to our clients advice on how to say, for example, structure your, your ethics risk management, but also how to deal with hedge accounting. We also did some very interesting hedge accounting consultancies with our customers. And there was a part I was never exposed to before to whole accounting topic that is completely different from the cash view you usually have as the corporate treasurer. And again, that, that helped me to make my profile more complete because I'm now able to speak to a lawyer, to a consultant, but also to a banker or to a corporate treasurer with confidence. I believe treasury is a very important interface function and it always helps if you are able to understand your counterpart. And also it's like, as you said earlier, you, you're sort of understanding their language. You know, you might have very similar levels of people, but if you're going, well, the lawyer's coming at it from this angle, there's a CFO's coming at it from this angle. So you've got that knowledge, if you like. So you've done consultancy. How did that help you in the next role or what happened next? Well, after consultancy, I moved to Max Automation, which is a smaller listed entity, um, a holding company for machine companies in Germany. I had the position of the head of treasury, and it was my task to further professionalize the treasury function of the group. Jumping in there, did they have a treasury or was it just you had to come and improve it? Or what, what sort of was the state of treasury when you joined? Because that was back in 2019. What, what was that like? There was a colleague that did uh, the treasury function before, but she left, but she came more from an accounting role. And so her idea of fulfilling the treasury role was quite different from my point of view, because I was focusing more on ethics risk, on cash pooling, you know, the cash view of the business, not so much on accounting. Something that was challenging in this role was that, you know, I had to deal with all the head of finances and the different subsidiaries and convince them to go with me on the centralized treasury journey because I had no mandate to tell them what they needed to do, but I had to convince them that my way was the right way. That was very challenging, to be honest. And how did you do that? Did you go about it with mini case studies saying, this is how much cash I can save you? Or what was your key to success? Because in some ways, we'll have listeners that are at the beginning of that journey, if you like. So they are you before you'd really got stuck in. How did you convince those sometimes quite challenging CFOs who say, well, hang on, I want visibility of my own cash and it's my cash, whereas it, in some ways it's the business's cash, it's the wider group. How did you yeah. go convincing them? Well, on the one hand, you need to clearly show the benefits, like the hard facts, to say, okay, your interest result will improve by this and that. But on the other hand, you need to build um, a relation to that people. Just ask questions. Ask, what did the former treasury guy do? What did you like about his approach? What didn't you like? 
what can I do for you? And if you ask people and listen, it helps you a lot because you learn about their motivation, you learn about what they really want. And in business, especially in treasury, it, it's dependent on people. If you are able to maintain good relations, that always helps. A different viewpoint as well. And you'd gone in there, you'd convinced quite a few people to sort of come along with your way. What, what was it like the development of the treasury? Would you, as you said, there was a lady that was a more treasury accounting focused. Did you bring in systems or what was the sort of role like? How did they develop over the time you were there? Well, we implemented a treasury management system, which helped to centralize the view on cash. And we also started to, to do a cash pooling project. But unfortunately, I was not able to finish that project because I moved on to, to Autodoc at that time. And just before that, you also, within that time, you actually joined and went through COVID. What was that like? You know, how did you get through that? How did you find it? To be honest, for us, it was quite okay. We really didn't need to be in the office because we all had the possibility to work from home, to do phone calls, do money transfers from remote. So that was not really the problem. Something that was really challenging at that time was to stay in contact with colleagues. Usually if you are in the office and you meet in the coffee room and you have a little chit chat and you know what's going on with your colleagues. But if you are staying at home and the only thing you have in front of you is your monitor and a headset, you need to be much more active to stay in contact. And that was a challenge, to be honest. Yeah, that was a challenge. But you got through that. And then you say you were, you were implementing the new system, but it was time to move on. Tell us about this, you, your current role and, and bring us up to date. Sure. I started to work for Autodoc in February 2022. This is maybe the perfect situation for a treasurer because the company is already quite big. And we have strong growth and the growth is not expected to, to slow down. But the treasury situation is not really developed. So it's like a greenfield for me. And I have the possibility to implement um, state-of-the-art processes, modern systems, be it for trading or the treasury management system. And that is really, really a perfect situation. And so can I... FX risk management is obviously key to a global business like yourselves and international. What's your ethos around it? I know that's a big thing we talked about previously. How do you develop it? Or what's, what's your ethos? Like I said, we sell our products to 27 European countries and 11 of those countries, they don't use the euro. So we have large exposure, British pounds and Swedish krona and in Danish krona. As we don't have a cost base in the countries, every euro or every GBP that is generated in sales enlarges our FX position. My idea is to, to automate FX management as much as possible. Because I think when you are able to design a process that can be handled by people, it can also be handled by a system or by a software. And there is no need to interfere in that process or to, to have people do manual steps in that process if it's possible to do it completely in the software. And that is our idea that we want to achieve. We want to have a 100% automatic FX management where we take the revenue that is generated in the non-Euro countries and convert that to Euro on every single day, completely automatic. That is our idea towards FX management. The things do you see, we're post-COVID now, we're into this new world and you know, you're looking at treasury, we're starting to go back and do conferences and things. Other issues with Treasury that you think your peers or some other people that you might meet 
in and around. What are the issues you're thinking about? I think you're right. You guys need to be thinking about this or you're talking about with some of your peers, maybe when you're meeting them. What are the key other things you think treasurers should think about? Certainly the investment of surplus cash right now is an issue because I think it has been eight years with no interest at all. And now you're in a situation where you have positive interest rates on all currencies. That is definitely something you need to do nowadays. There is another topic that is, at least from my point of view, not so much considered in treasury right now, and that is the payment topic. I mean, we are an e-commerce platform, and so obviously the customer payments is something that is very important for us. From my point of view, that area is something where corporate treasurers should be involved more and more because you cannot really separate the payment service provider world from the banking world. I mean, at the end of the day, you want to have that amount of cash on your bank account. How that is happening is, that is not the question, but you want to have control over the whole process. And I think it makes certainly sense that Treasury is involved more in that area. When you say involved, are you going to the finance team and say, let me help you more? Or how are you getting involved in that? What's your methodology? Again, because some of the other listeners might be saying, well, you're saying about getting involved in payments, but we let those guys do it. You know, they're, they're handling it. What attitude have you taken to that to, to try and help them or get more involved in it? Yeah, like you said, I try and help people. I talk to a lot of people within Autodoc and listen to their situation or to their problems and try to provide a solution. In the first 100 days I spend at Autodoc, I spend a lot of time just talking to colleagues and getting to know their situation. If you are able to present a solution for a certain problem, Everyone is happy. That's not really a problem. Going in and offering your services and your help just to sort of to help them get through it. I mean, and again, talks about payments. Are there any, anything else you think that people should be aware of or not keeping them awake at night, but they should be thinking about just in case? I mean, recruiting is certainly a very hot topic in 2023 as it was in 2022. It has been harder and harder to find new talent. If you're able to position yourself as an attractive employer, that is the least thing you can do. It's just very important to be able to, to attract talent. When you we do that, one of the key things we've talked about, in fact, there was a client recently who we chose not to work with. got to say, because we know that flexible working is a key thing and having more, you know, a hybrid arrangement. I think a lot of UK and European companies seem to have got their head around it. US, we're still trying to work it out depending on different companies. You know, you've got different companies like Starbucks saying, right, big directive, you must be back in the office. But I don't know how thought it out it is, you know, for some of those people, because, you know, that's not the way we've worked for two and a half years. You know, why do you need to be back there? I think there is a balance. But one of the things I noticed to say with this UK company, they recently said, we're a bit more traditional. We're five days a week back in the office and we're very paper-based. And we're like, okay, well, good luck. And then, oh, what? what? So, no, no, we, we can't help you because only one in 20 people says in our salary survey, for instance, they want to be in the office. Oh, well, that's okay. We can, I said, no, we're not going to go and approach 100 people just to try and find you five people that want to be back in the office. With you guys, you know, what's your ethos around, what's the balance for you guys, would you say? I would say we are pretty flexible with regard to work from home. In fact, I live in Dusseldorf and I work in Berlin. So I would say I'm, I'm the role model for my department in that case. And that is 
to be honest, the only positive thing I can think about when it comes to COVID. Because before COVID, this would not have been so easy. But right now, most of the people have been convinced that it's absolutely possible to be productive when you work from home. In fact, I think the mixture itself between working from home and working in the office is key. Because when you don't see your colleagues face to face at all, it's hard to build up a team. I think that's the thing. I think unless people think that through, again, another article we recently talked about is it's got to be in clients and fewer people. It's got to be a shared view. You know, you've got to think about what the other person wants on the other side of the table, right back to the beginning of your career. When you were originally in those early days, it's the same with recruiting. You've got to think what the other person on the other side wants and what you want as an employer, and then try and max them together rather than just go, well, I'm the boss, I'm the employer. You should be yeah. lucky to have a job with me. Those times are definitely over, period. <laughs> so we're going to wrap up today's episode and we'll put your LinkedIn details in the show notes, as we always do. What would you say to key takeaways for any treasury professionals out there, maybe their junior levels starting out as you were a few years ago or later on in their career, more than treasurers? What are the key takeaways you would give to the people listening today? I would say always try to expose yourself to as many different areas of finance as possible and just try to find a boss that helps you in your career. Because I had the good fortune that some of my bosses really gave me the room to develop. And if I had different bosses, I would definitely be not in the situation I am in now today. There is a proverb that says, don't choose a job, choose the boss. And I think there is a certain degree of truth in it. And that is something I, I would say to every junior in treasury. Don't choose a job. Choose the boss both. You know, I think it's a balance, but yeah, I think that's that's key, isn't it? Because obviously you were for a long time at work today. That's a, you know that's one of the key things as well. And that's a kind of amazing final words there about choosing your boss as well as a job. That's a, a good final sign off. Look forward to. We'll put your LinkedIn details show notes. Lots of people can connect with you. And thanks for sharing some of your uh, lessons about your career today, sir. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Mike. Hello, it's Mike here again. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. If you did, then maybe you want to follow the show or subscribe, depending on where you listen, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, or another great place to listen to the show from. It's totally free and means that you'll be the first to see each and every week when we release a new show. And maybe whilst you're there, you could even leave a quick review. Reviews and ratings are among the most important metrics for a podcast to effectively rank. And as you can probably appreciate, the podcast is a lot of hard work to produce every week. It'd be amazing. Just take, say, 20 seconds, leave a quick review of my amazing guests and their great career stories. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks very much, and I can't wait to see you soon.